morning, everyone. You are listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. And you can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. This morning, we are going to talk about kids and gardening with Lisa Gedanowitz from the Philadelphia area, where she runs a program for urban kids called Urbanstead. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kate. Yes. Um, so let's start maybe with your background in gardening and with um, urban youth. Did you start, uh, did you grow up with uh, gardening in community families or, or with a garden family? Um, not really. I grew up in Massachusetts, actually, um, surrounded by farms. So it was something that I had available, available to me at a young age, and I lived in New Hampshire and Vermont for a while. And so basically grew up in a farming environment. Um, but when I moved to cities, it was something that kind of got forgotten. Um, I actually come from an IT background, so I was doing system administration for a very long time in telecom. Um, and that sort of led me towards working with kids. There's a story there. Um, and really only in the past couple of years realized that farming in the city was something that could be done, and I just went full force with it. And so did you go, maybe go to other um, farms, may, maybe like, um, I know Toledo Grows has got a beautiful farm just out, just inside the, the city, and I know there, there are some in Atlanta and Chicago. So had you seen other models for this before the idea tweaked with you, or, or was it something that you came up with and then looked for other ones, how to it do it? I, it was something I came up with and, and looked for other ones. So the way it happened was I was working for a GED program in North Philadelphia called Yes Billy, um, and I was a system administrator there. And while we were there, um, a grant opportunity came in to do career training with our young people. And I helped the executive director create a program to do tech training with our teenagers. And we couldn't hire a teacher, so I started teaching. had never taught before. And I fell in love with it. <laughs> um, I fell in love with working with these with these young people. I, I sounds a little cheesy, but I found my calling in this process. So while I was at Yes Teaching, uh, we brought a group of our teenagers over to an urban farm in West Philadelphia, just a small vacant lot that had been converted to a farm. And on the way there, my my girls especially who were like, Miss Lisa, I am not doing this. I am not getting my hands dirty. I don't know who you think you are, you know. <laughs> Just pure sass the whole way there. Within about 10 minutes of getting to that farm, every one of those kids had their hands in the dirt. They were planting tomatoes. One girl was picking um, wildflowers and creating a bouquet all on her own. And I realized I I had been working with these kids for a couple years at this point. I'd never seen that level of engagement before. Um, And that's when the idea started kicking in. Um, So I actually... At the time when I was still at Yes, wanted to start a program there, but we just didn't have the resources for it. So when I left Yes, um, I realized I still wanted to work with kids, um, so I decided I would start my own program doing this. And it's been an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and certainly, you know, when, when kids are involved, I think, in, in gardening, and what, was it kind of the food 
side of it may be the insecurity, particularly in urban areas. Um, you know, they're, they're often talk called food deserts. Um, yeah. And, you know, and obviously that lead, leads to junk food and, and Twinkies and f- over, oversized kids and, and whatever, um, which is not good for their diet. Um, so was it actually producing the food in the city to make healthy kids or was it the kids and finding something for them to do? You know, it's a combination of a lot of things, Kate. It's um, <laughs> it's definitely, we have a nutrition problem, especially in our low-income households. But it's also, I think food is more than just fixing health. I think there's a lot of social issues that come from growing your own food and learning how to farm in the city. Um, it creates safer spaces. It, <laughs> there's a calming factor with some of these kids putting their hands in the dirt. I had a group of 12-year-olds over the weekend, and a handful of them couldn't identify a tomato plant. And sitting there and going, you know, and, and learning this stuff, it's, it, it, it creates healthier futures. It, it, it makes I'm stumbling, Kate, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it affects more than just solving the, the malnutrition problems that we, we experience in our low-income communities. Yeah, and and have you found um, with with do it, doing this that there maybe is a, a gender difference between what the girls like versus what the guys like, particularly with the um, maybe the the older uh, age group, maybe the over twelves, you know, when they're starting to identify with with gen- gender type things. Do you, do you find that some like it, like like they have different likes and dislikes in that way? Do you know, I really haven't seen so much of that yet. Um, certain certain teens will, will pick it up really quickly, regardless of gender. Other ones won't. I haven't seen a whole lot of difference between the genders. I have more more male students that are into it, um, but I have a handful of female students that are really into it as well. And do, do you find, find that the gardens that you're creating or, or helping with have multi-generational people interested as as well um as well as the kids in there oh absolutely and and i think it's exciting especially for some of our for some of our older folks in the neighborhood um seeing this happen because some of them grew up in farming communities and when you move to a city you're not supposed to be able to grow food that's sort of just you know farming takes place out in the country and it's not it's not something that's supposed to happen in the city so i think there's an excitement level when some of our older generation actually sees this happening. And actually where the Francisville Urban Farm is, our our main location, is in a gated senior community. So I have the seniors coming in all the time and giving me tips and coming to say hi and seeing how our plants are doing, and it's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I think it's fascinating when, when you've got kids in gardens, but what type of... I mean, my, my, my niece, no, my, my goddaughter loved being in the garden uh, when she was little because she, she was a delicate little girl and she loved sort of going up to the flowers and looking at it um, and just sort of being entranced by it. Whereas I had boys and their, their idea of being in the garden was, well, where, where's the hose? Let's see if we can catch the other one with the water before we do anything. Um, so, so, you know, how do you get them interested in um maybe gardening and growing food? Well, I can tell you, so yesterday I have a perfect example of that. Um, Yesterday, one of the people that lives in the community surrounding the farm has a son that's 12, and they were walking by, and 
I'm always talking to the father, and he had his kid with him yesterday and called them into the garden and started giving the son a, sh- a, like, a little tour of the, the garden, what we had. And I realized the father had been talking to another person, and he kind of walked away. And the kid ended up um, chasing after his dad and catching up with him. And then about two minutes later, he came back, and he said, Dad said I can hang out here if I want. So I brought him around, and we started picking, um, what, what did we pick? We picked some oregano, and I said, smell this. And he said, smell like pizza. And um, we picked some fennel, and, you know, and he smelled it, and he said it smelled like peppermint, but we determined that it was licorice. Um, we pulled some onions up, and he's like, I hate onions. But he sat there and was peeling the onion off. And I realized what he was doing, he kept sniffing every plant that he pulled out, and he was creating almost a little bouquet of these plants that we pulled out, and he was really into it. And I don't think he'd ever experienced that before. And it was just, it was, for him, it was that, um, what's the word I'm looking for necessarily? It was a sensory experience for him. And I think that attracted him. And we ended up planting a bunch of zucchini seeds, and he'll be back in a couple weeks when I start sprouting, and pretty excited about it wow and you know and I, I think you know when when kids particularly um enjoy gardening uh, and a lot of schools have started um community it went, went through the phase where they wanted a garden and it was a butterfly garden but then people realized they wanted they involved caterpillars which they didn't like and then there was the transition into food gardens so a lot of kids are learning there but what is there um a transition and how many do you think transition from just having it as part of a curriculum or, or, you know, okay, this is okay to occupy me on a Saturday for a couple of hours to actually being genuinely interested in and wanting this as something they want to do down the road? My hope for that, because we are still a relatively new organization, but my hope for that is that we're going to have a large portion of these young people that realize that there are career and entrepreneurship opportunities within this within urban agriculture um i think with the older teens and young adults it becomes you know food is its power if there's a lot of um you know taking back your community and when you're dependent on something to provide your food which is something we all need you're kind of giving up that power a little bit so to grow your own food you're taking back that power and i think a lot of our older teens and young adults realize that and they realize the importance of doing this and and giving sort of a a level of control and power back to their communities. Yes. And, you know, I I think when when kids particularly enjoy the growing side. I mean, there are so many kids that missed that. And, and indeed, young adults kind of, that have, have really missed that whole growing experience. But I think the grandparents probably are still, um, they're, they're active with maybe the younger kids. Um, and they remember, um, you know, that carrots, for instance, do grow under the ground. Um, and French fries do come from a potato. <laughs> those, those little <laughs> little things. <laughs> No, it's true. You know, I, I don't think that kids grow up realizing where their food comes from. Um, and the idea that you can walk into a, you know, that's one thing that I know Michael Pollins has talked about a lot where, you know, you walk into a grocery store and you think you have all these choices because there's all this food. But the truth is you don't have a lot of choice. It's basically, you know, grocery stores are, are filled with the food that can travel long distances. And we don't really think about where it comes from. Yeah. And when we start growing it ourselves, we can, you know, one thing I'm really into is 
the farm is growing different varieties. So I'm growing um, uh, these Asian black carrots because who's seen a black carrot before? You know, we think of carrots, they're orange. Um, I'm growing crim tomatoes, which I can't wait till they come in. You know, they start they start ripening because I think the kids are going to get a huge kick out of them. I'm growing crystal apple cucumbers, lemon cucumbers because we don't think of round cucumbers; we think of long cucumbers. That's all we see in grocery stores. So our choices have been limited. And the kids really get into these varieties. Like, that looks weird. I want to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but like like a green tomato or uh, maybe a yellow tomato or the different sizes of tomatoes being the most obvious one. But, you know, we have to go for our first commercial break here. But we will be back talking more about kids and gardening with Lisa Gedanowitz uh, on America's Homegrown Veggies. We will be back in just a moment. Quick Steaks, that's Q-U-I-K Steaks, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Steaks, Q-U-I-K Steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at America's Homegrown Veggies. And if you miss any shows, you can find them on americaswebradio.com webpages and you can find them on iTunes and Stitchers too. This morning, we are talking with Lisa Gadanowitz from Urbanstead in Philly, Pennsylvania. Um, and Lisa, we talked in general about kids in gardening. Um, and so let's get maybe talk a little about getting the kids in the garden, particularly the younger kids, um, maybe the under 10s. Um, how does a parent encourage a child to get out into the food garden in general? Um, I mean, is it something that they should start maybe when they're preschool areas? Um, or is it something that if the parent is out there, the child will gravitate towards it? How, what's the best way to introduce them? Do you know what I've found, and I'm not sure if my answer is the best answer, but it's just my observation. I find with kids, especially young ones, but it happens in all ages, um, they want something that's theirs. And to be able to allow them that independence in, in a garden environment. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, saying, hey, look, there's some carrots there. Why don't you pull them up? You know, and all of a sudden they're pulling these carrots up, and it's, 
you didn't see what was below the surface. Now all of a sudden you have this bright, brilliant piece of food in your hand and, and you pulled it from the ground. And there's, I think even the young ages, there's pride in that. Um, giving them a watering can and saying, hey, this is something that needs to happen. You know, can you do it? They'll, they'll do it. And they'll do it with pride. Um, and I think really feeding on that level of, <laughs> even at a young age, teaching our kids that they're individuals and that they have um, they have sort of their own level of, of control over a situation. And in the garden, you can have that. And I think it, it encourages them. Um, I've had three-year-olds and fascinated by the carrots. And that's always the best thing because it's immediate. And radishes as well. I actually had a three-year-old pull a radish out of the ground and take a huge bite out of it and then took a second bite out of it. If I had handed that three-year-old a, a radish... He wouldn't have touched it, um, <laughs> you know. And, and I think I think allowing them to find their space in the garden and what what interests them is what's going to make it interesting. So some kids are into pulling things out of the ground. Some kids are into watering. Some kids are into just picking flowers. It's really figuring out where the interest is, and there's so many options that once you find that interest, they'll stick with it. And, and they don't get turned off about seeing worms or something like that in the garden? The worms are awesome. Worms are the most fascinating thing ever. <laughs> they will sometimes pick them up and throw them at each other, boys and girls alike. Um, bees are a little scary, so we explain that as long as, you know, we explain that bees are, are friendly and that we need them and to just not, you know, don't hit them or don't, don't go after them. And that tends to calm them. Some, some of the kids still tend to have a little bit of fear of bees. Um, so, yeah, it, surprisingly, and I think especially with our city youth, you know, it's a, it's a little, I don't want to make a generalized statement here, but I think kids growing up in the city are a little bit tougher, even at a young age. So, so bugs aren't as scary as they may be for, for someone who's not growing up in the city. Yeah, and, and so, certainly, you know, when you look at the different shapes and things in, in gardens, you know, between the um, the zucchinis, for instance, and the different shapes of tomatoes, particularly the heirloom ones and the different sizes, um, because that, that's what certainly in preschool is is kind of sorting out, the, the different shapes and colours and things like that. So it's a great, I would imagine it's a, there's a lot of great teaching moments that you can get out there with a, a preschool or younger child. Oh, absolutely, and and little kids like to collect things. So if you can get them to start a little collection of things from around the garden, they'll they'll go off on it on their own. One of one of the young ones that I had, when um, you know, <laughs> keep falling back on the carrots, but she kept pulling these carrots out of the ground, and I had to finally say, you know, we we don't have because we have a very our farm is a small urban farm. It's not huge, and we run a farm stand as well. So I was like, we need to stop pulling the carrots out because they're not done yet. Said, you know, when they're done, when you can start to see them through the top of the dirt. And uh, <laughs> while I'm saying that, the dirt had fallen away from one of these not fully grown carrots, but you could see the orange through the dirt. And she literally put her hands up in the air and started going, ooh, like really excited because she could see the orange. So I was like, okay, go ahead and pull that one. You know, and it was very exciting because I, I found it. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and I, I think particularly with with the young youngest ones, you know, I mean, it, it's such fun getting them them out there. Um, so, 
would they maybe be appropriate maybe in a community garden? Because most of your gardens are, would they be called community gardens that are open to um, the whole community to come in and, and work in? So, yeah, so so the Francisville farm that we, we operate um, is not a community garden, but there are a lot of community gardens around Philadelphia, um, which you basically you pay a certain amount per year, um, and you get a plot, so a, a raised bed. Um, and there may be, depending, there's one up in North Philly that is about 20 years old, and I want to say probably has about 100 plots in it, and each plot is owned by a different person or family. Um, so they're growing all these different things. So I think bringing kids, I see kids in these community gardens all the time. Um, our particular setup is not necessarily a community garden, even though we invite volunteers into work, but that's because our food goes into the farm stand to give back to the community. What would be maybe, um, you know, teaching them you know, how to tell when a carrot is ripe or an onion is in, is ripe. That would, I would assume, be something you do with maybe the older kids uh, rather than the very young ones. Would that be right? I do it with the young ones as well. <laughs> maybe it doesn't stick, but the more times they see it, it will eventually stick. So, and, and you know, if you have you know, a bunch of not not ripe carrots and they're just all about pulling them out of the ground, you're going to lose your crop. So explaining to them that these aren't ready yet, they need they need more time. Um, even if it doesn't click in the very young ones, it eventually will. So I think it's something you start teaching at a young age. And I, I think that actually confuses a lot of adults as well as kids. Um, t- tell, him, tell him whether the, the onion or the, or the carrot, particularly those uh, root crops, whether they actually mm-hmm. are. I mean, radishes give you a hint because they kind of come up over the ground anyway. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, I've pulled my I've pulled my share of, of baby carrots out that should not have been pulled out yet, and we're actually growing potatoes in buckets this year. Um, it's going to be an entire chance when we empty those buckets if we have potatoes in them or not. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and actually, I, I harvested some uh, the the other day, and they, they were kind of small. Uh, but something had been eating them from the bottom. Um, oh no! <laughs> so so there, there, were, there was all this dead growth on top, and I pu- pulled out the carrot, and there was this gnawed one one inch left at the top, um, and that so I kind of. Uh, picked some up from the rest of the row. But that brings us to, you know, you've carefully nurtured these these carrots or potatoes or squash or, or tomatoes, and then they, they get fungus or, or insects on them. Um, how do you deal with that disappointment factor, having nurtured it? No, you're right, and it's, it's, it's easier for us as adults to deal with than it is for young people to deal with. Um, but I think there's a lesson in there as well. Uh, you know, I, I look at at um, growing as, as sort of a metaphor for, for a lot of aspects of our life. Um, and sometimes things don't turn out the way you planned, but there's a lot of surprises that happen too. You know? <laughs> so maybe, maybe I lost a couple of radishes or carrots or tomatoes, but, oh, my goodness, look at my pumpkins. They're doing fantastic. You know, oh, there's a tomato plant popping up over there, and it's got 20 tomatoes on it. I didn't expect that. So it's, it's learning but yeah, there's going to be disappointment, but there's going to be delight and surprises as well. And I think that's important for us as adults, but I think it's important for young people of all ages as well. 
And and so when, when they're very young, is it up to maybe the parents themselves, um, or do they just drop them off um, to to a community garden to another adult, um, and it's kind of a group uh, parenting type thing in most of the community gardens? Um, on our Saturdays, which are volunteer days, um, all of my youth participants have been accompanied by their parents, which I really encourage. Um, I also really like, we have a lot of uh, young adults in the city who are young parents themselves, so I'm really working on encouraging these young parents to bring their kids to the farm because it is going to, it's going to create a more positive experience for both people. Um, I do have youth groups that we work with, so I actually had a church group over the weekend that had about 15, 12 and under, um, and they were brought in by, it wasn't necessarily parents, but it was supervisors from the church. Um, I have a charter school that we're going to start working with that will be bringing in a group of high school students one or or two times a week. Um, So sometimes it's parents bringing their kids into the garden, sometimes it's youth programs that we're connecting with. And I I think it's a great idea to to be able to have all ages in a garden. Um, I mean, even if they're not working in the garden or actively looking at the plants, it's somewhere where they can run around, which is, you know, and that play aspect in the fresh air, I think is is almost as important as introducing them to the plants. You know, one of the things that that affects low-income families, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about obesity being being something that happens in low-income areas more often than in middle and higher-income areas. Um, And a part of that is that low-income neighborhoods tend to not have places for kids to play. Um, there's not outdoor, there's not as many outdoor parks or areas or, you know, even safety. Um, I, I worked over in Camden last summer, and I had a 13-year-old who had been out with his friends the night before, and his friend was shot within a half an hour of, of my student leaving. And this is at 13 years old, so these are very real things that these young people are dealing with. Um, so safety and creating safe spaces for these kids to play, it doesn't exist as much in, in harder-hit areas. So I think you're absolutely right in that. Is the garden isn't just about, and the farm isn't just about work. We have to make it fun. We have to make it safe. We have to make it almost a sanctuary for our young people. Yeah, and and then you know, then they wonder why kids kind of get into trouble. I guess if if there's nowhere for them to play, um, you know, and and it's got to be um, a sense of security for the parents as well. Um, yeah. You know, they, they they can actually go there and and feel safe in the garden. Yeah. And what a better yeah. place to feel safe, really. Right, right. No, the father yesterday. I mean, he basically you know, had let his son hang out with me and plant stuff, you know, because in, in how often does that happen in our cities where, yeah, you go ahead, this is a cool place for you to be. You yeah. know, I trust <laughs> that you're going to be safe in this state. Oh, yes. It and doesn't I, happen enough. You yeah. Know? And, and it is important for, for kids to grow up and feel that security. But, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. But I want to remind you, you're listening to America's Homegrown Veggies. And we'll be back with more about getting kids into the garden with Lisa Gadanowitz. And when we come back, we're going to move into that lovely teenage age uh, in the garden. We will be right back. Quick stakes. That's 
Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Are you tired of taking medication to control your allergy symptoms? Do you suffer from uncontrollable asthma or eczema? Sublingual immunotherapy is a safe and effective alternative. Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is committed to bringing the newest medical advances to their patients. With sublingual immunotherapy, you can now train your immune system to stop responding to environmental and food allergies. No more shots, no more trips to the doctor, and freedom from taking daily allergy medication. The drops are simply placed under the tongue three times a day. Both children and adults can be treated. It is safe and cost-effective. Call Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center today at 404-591-9100 for more information or to make an appointment. Their office is located in Atlanta at 1776 Peachtree Road Northwest in Suite 260 North Tower, two blocks south of Piedmont Hospital. They are open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. Additional details are available at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. Mention that you heard about sublingual immunotherapy on Radio Sandy Springs and get free allergy testing. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking about getting kids into the garden with Lisa Gadanowitz from Urbanstead in Philly, where she works with urban youth. Um, and Lisa, we talked about the younger kids um, and how you, they, you can have teaching moments with the younger kids, but their teenage years are a little bit different um, in so many ways. I mean, you couldn't pay me to teach middle school. Um, (laughs) So how do we drag a a teenage teenage age kid into the garden um, when they'd presumably be rather hanging out with kids of their own? You know, presumably um, that's the case, but it's not always. And I find I think a lot of our, especially when it comes to vulnerable youth, and I, I struggle with the term at risk, although, you know, everybody knows what at risk is. Um, I think some of these young people are underestimated a bit. Um, you know, oftentimes, and, and I don't know how much you know about our Philadelphia school system, but it is it is struggling seriously these days. You know, we had, I want to say it was like 30 schools that closed down last year. Um, there's a lot of lot of stuff going on in this city right now that is making things even harder on these young people. You have classes of you know, way oversized classes, overworked teachers. Um, the kids don't get treated as individuals, so they kind of get herded into groups. And I think that's a big problem. I think creating an environment where each young person is treated as an individual, respected as an individual, given responsibilities, told you can do this and given positive reinforcement instead of sit still, be quiet, you're not supposed to do that, don't do that, don't do that, you're wrong, you're failing that, which I think they hear a lot of, um, creating a positive environment and saying, you're, look what you're doing, you're doing awesome. You know, that, that helps. And it's, 
it's pretty important to our young people. And yeah, and I, I think uh, you know, particularly with with the teenagers and the the ur- urban youth, that sense of accomplishment is so important to their self esteem. Uh, particularly when they're in an urban environment, where, there, as you say, there are so many negative inputs to them. And um, so, so do you, do you encourage maybe that sense of accomplishment um, from from them? Particularly when do, do you get them may, maybe to to grow things themselves, or just help in the garden, or do they have their own plot so they can uh, may, maybe plant the seed and watch it grow, and that be their their project? That's, that's one thing we're working on. So I actually, through my partnership with Transitional Neighborhood Development Corp., which is kind of Urban Stead's umbrella, um, we actually just acquired a head youth farmer. Um, he's 20 years old. He's actually a graduate of an agricultural high school in the city. Um, he did a year of city year. He's an amazing, amazing young man. Um, and giving him leadership roles and saying, like, you know, I know you maybe haven't done this before, but you can do this. Um, I think it's going to increase his success. I mean, he's already on a path to success anyway, but it's going to improve it. And I think taking that stance with a lot of these young people, saying, you know, you can do this. You can be a leader. You can, you know, if, if you want this space to be your growing space, it's your growing space. Finding what's going to work. And, and each team is an individual, and different things will work with different teams. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I think, um, you know, when you've got particularly that group of kids, that sense of accomplishment is, as I say, so important. But how about um, getting them to teach the younger kids when they've got a certain amount of, of knowledge, obviously? Um, can they interact with the younger kids? And do you find that some of them actually like passing on that knowledge to the younger kids? Absolutely. We are all about developing mentorship between the older and the younger. Um, and, and I think it's that sense of accomplishment that you're talking about when an older teen is working with someone younger and passing, it's that feeling of, Hey, I know something and I'm, I'm teaching you. And you know, I was talking before about how, when I started teaching, I fell in love with it. There's, there's definitely a sense of accomplishment of, Hey, all this stuff that I know, I can, I can use it. And I think the kids realize that too. So that's something that we really do work with is getting our, older um, students to work with the younger students that come in and you know I can stand up there all day and say this is you know look at it's a tomato plant and this is how it grows and blah 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 but the connection that's going to happen between these age differences that are only a few years apart versus mine being many years apart I think it's stronger and more effective. Yes. And, you know, when, when they do teach um, other kids, I think it's such a positive thing. Um, but you say, say you work with um, a local high school. Do you find any of the teachers are coming in um, and, and the kids are seeing a different side of them because they're obviously in jeans or sweats or something, not not in typical teacher um, wear? Um, do, do this, so, so do some of the some of the teachers maybe come in and get involved as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, the school that I work with, it's, it's a charter school. Um, it is actually the company, it's Yes Philly, which is where I worked for a, about four years prior to starting Urbanstead. Um, and it's a little different than I think most school systems. I, I think, you know, the teachers at Yes, um, and I think there's other programs around the city that do this too, you know, they work to not make that huge difference between teachers and students 
because I think when you are a teacher, you definitely have to maintain a level of I'm in charge, and, and ultimately the decisions here come down to me. But there can be that middle line where it's like, okay, you have input, let's hear it, and I will honestly respect and consider it. And so the, the students, I think, have seen their teachers in jeans and sweatshirts before. Um, and it does, you know, being outdoors instead of being indoors and locked up inside, it's a different environment. It's more relaxed. The kids start putting their hands in the dirt, and there's, it's therapy. Um, and and so it's a much calmer environment than being, you know, shut up between these walls. Yeah, and and so you you actually see a different side. Um, may, may, maybe the teachers then then you know maybe they see a different side of the kid that is positive. Where where so often in a school where where you're you're failing or something academically, but you enjoy the the outdoors and that sense of accomplishment and and self esteem. Without the the teacher will then come come and actually notice that um, in a child. Yeah, and I think that might be the best way of, of describing it versus the students seeing the teachers in a different light. I think the teachers see the students in a different light in these environments. Um, and I think that's important. You know, one of the things that I've learned as a teacher is I learn a lot from my students. Yes, I'm the teacher. Yes, I'm, I'm imparting knowledge. But I'm getting it back full fold from, from the students that I'm teaching. And, and have the high schools in gen- general um, t- taken these um, these plots that you've that you've got around Philadelphia? Um, have, have they actually uh, started curriculum that includes that? I know curriculums are so heavy on academics, and everybody is kind of trying to put something else in there. Um, but do, are they trying to adapt maybe some of the curriculums to to um, encourage kids or, or get kids a little more knowledgeable about what they're growing in general, so that they could can go out into the garden and see it in practice? Yeah, and I think that that's starting more and more. I don't think it's huge right now, but I think there's a lot of it happening. Um, Eric, my youth farmer, and I actually just took a two-day class last week through PHS, which is the Philadelphia Horticultural Society. Um, There's a wonderful woman there named Sally McCabe who teaches a class for teachers on creating school gardens. Um, And that class had about 30 people in it. So there's definitely um, teachers in the city that are really interested in building these programs within their schools. And it ends up being the teachers who are building them and saying, hey, you know, this is this is what we want to do, you know, and, and going to the, the heads. But it, it really happens because of the teachers finding interest in it and creating these curriculums and creating a solid structure to do this. Um, South Philly High School has a garden, and they're working to create a roof garden, um, which would incorporate into their um, their curriculum. There's Franklin Town School that I know they're trying to build a – greenhouse on top of their school and they have a culinary program and so there's all these different things that incorporate into it i mean you can you can use math in the garden you can use science obviously um social studies there's it it, you know what i was saying before is i think farming and especially farming in the city it hits on so many different things than just food 
Yes, and, and I, I think it's great when they start uh, putting greenhouses in because then the kids can actually start the peppers and the tomatoes and see them go from seed to growing to the garden. Um, and, and things like pollination and the flowers and things like that, um, it's so important for kids to learn that. And if they do it in a sterile thing with a textbook and, and a teacher, you know, that that's very different to actually seeing a tomato flower or um, a potato flower or a squash flower. Yep, it's, it's, you know, a hands-on is the best way to learn. I, I believe that. And, you know, like, even soil. You know, soil, especially in our cities, is such a big deal because we have a lot of soil that is is contaminated with lead and other other things. And learning how soil is the base of how we grow and how to make our soil healthy and what it's composed of. I mean, there's there's so much learning in there. Yeah, and, and sort of how, how to, I, I guess, make, make the soil and everything uh, healthy as, as, as well. I mean, do, do you have raised beds and things like that, or are you uh, basically um, on, on ground level with a lot of these? We are, so we don't have raised beds at Francisville. We actually are doing mounds this year, so it's kind of like a raised bed without a raised bed. Um, because our soil is a little bit, it's not horrible, but there's slight contamination, so we put a buffer in between our growing. Um, but a lot of people are using raised beds um, and putting buffers in between, but that buffer is only going to last so long. We're going to have to actually fix our soil, and that's what we work to do. So we do composting and you know, put mulch down and and basically healing the soil so that a few years from now, those contaminants are not going to be an issue anymore and we have the full ground because we can bring as much soil in from other places. That's not solving the problem. Solving the problem means healing our soil. And, and getting them to, to recognize, I, I think, uh, particularly the, the older kids, that, you know, not all, not all soil is the same. Um, you've got everything from clay to sand to contaminated soil uh, to healthy soil and how to tell the difference. You know, in one, right. year, in one you're going to have earthworms, in the other you're not. <laughs> little little <Right>. things. <laughs> no, and even, you know, even, you know, one lot from the next can be entirely different. You know, uh, you have one lot, and in one part of that lot, there might be some contamination, where in the other part of that lot, it's perfectly healthy. <laughs> yeah. Because of what has grown there, what, what was built there before. Yeah, and, and actually, in my raised beds, you know, I've noticed a lot of earthworms now, now but, but before, when we were in the garden, you know, you never saw them. Um, and I've had gardens that have been so sprayed with pesticides to stop everything from spiders and grubs and things that the poor little earthworms didn't have a, a chance to survive but uh, but you know we need to take our final commercial break here but come back everyone to listen about more about urbanstead uh, with founder lisa gadanowitz after these messages quick stakes that's q u i k stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Come on, follow Snipples to Atlanta's go-to center for breathing easy. 
Do you suffer from chronic sinus headaches, recurrent sinusitis, facial pain or pressure, and chronic congestion? Well, balloon sinuplasty just could be the cure you're looking for. Follow me and breathe easy. Follow sniffles.com. We treat the problem, not the symptom. Chronic sinus symptoms, gone. This could be the cure you're looking for. Follow me and breathe easy. This proven in-office procedure can have you breathing easy, back to work the next day, and it's done under local anesthesia. Get lasting relief, a quick recovery, and start breathing easy again. Follow me and breathe easy. Follow sniffles.com. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying America's homegrown veggie show this morning. We have been talking about getting kids into the garden with Lisa Gadanowitz from Urbanstead in Philly. And Lisa, tell us a little more about um, what exactly um, this Urbanstead farm is um, that, that you do. I mean, it takes kids. Uh, are these kids at risk or, or just ur- urban poor um, kids that don't have anywhere to go that are working in the gardens? Um, we have a variety. We definitely, you know, I, my background um, is working with, with uh, vulnerable youth, but I think that it's important for all youth, whether vulnerable, and I think actually pretty much all youth in, in some sense are at risk. Um, it, it's hard to be a kid and grow up in a city. Um, so, yeah, so we work with all ages, um, all backgrounds. Uh, you know, there's, there's no limitations on, on the young people that we work with. Um, I just specifically have an interest working with young people that have grown up in, in um, more difficult situations because I, I, just, I, I really like working with, with those teens. Um, but I enjoy working with, I'm just stumbling through the, 
Yeah. And, and so, um, so can people come and actually visit the gardens and walk around if they're visiting Philadelphia? Um, they'd be able to come and, and see some of these gardens? So we do um, the Francisville Urban Farm. Um, Eric and I are there most days during the week. We'll actually have four more uh, young people joining our team next week that are actually through a work-ready program, so they're getting paid to do this work. Um, we have a partnership with Francisville Neighborhood Development Corporation. The farm itself is in a gated community, so it's kind of set back from the road on Saturdays. Um, and every Saturday now through the end of the season, we'll be doing volunteer days from 10 to 2. Um, and those are open. Anybody who wants to come in can come in. So we sometimes get large groups of people showing up. Sometimes it's just a few of us. I've had Saturdays where it's been just me. Um, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> But anybody can contact me, and if they want to see the space, but we also have an orchard uh, where we're growing fruit trees. Um, we have grapevines. Fun fact is that Francisville was William Penn's vineyard back in the day, so we are actually growing grapes there as well to kind of maintain that history of the neighborhood. Yeah, so anybody who wants to see the space, all they need to do is contact me, and I'll make sure I'm available for them to come visit. Oh, wow. It, I, I didn't realize you had orchards as well. I thought this was just kind of in the ground stuff. That's got to be great fun. Um, and you, you have a, a, a website, urbanstead.org. Is that right? That is correct, urbanstead.org. And, and so what, what is on the website? Um, is it, are there pictures of some of the gardens and the farm and the people that, are, that you work with? Yes, there are. So there is on the website um, – You'll have all the events that are going on, so our volunteer days are listed on there. Um, we're actually doing a happy hour fundraiser next week, so that's on there. Um, there's a news section, so you can see all the stuff that's going on, all the different groups that visit. We tend to take a lot of pictures. Um, let's see what else is on there. Our Youth Plots program, which is what we call our youth-based program, um, this year is primarily working to develop our Youth Plots program, which is basically bringing young people into the garden, doing leadership development, um, career development. Next year, we're actually starting a program called Grow Me a Garden where we'll have a select group of young people, and there's a lot of folks in the city who have space um, and want to grow food but don't have the knowledge or time to do it. So for a donation fee, our young people will come in and build that for them and help them maintain it and teach them how to do it. So not only are we creating more food-growing spaces throughout the city. We're also creating income for our young folks. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I guess if, they, if they're, they're helping and things like that, that, that would be appealing. Um, so what type of maybe support, if people aren't in Philly itself um, and volunteer in that way, are there other ways that may, maybe um, people can support you? Uh, may, maybe um, what other types of things would you need? Um, we definitely, you know, um, <laughs> is, 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 you know, do we have time to cover everything that you guys need? <laughs> right? I need a lot of things. You know, um, we have a, we have a Amazon wish list, which, you know, we're always in need of hand tools and gloves. Um, financial donations are really important, especially this year, simply because it's our first year in true operation. Um, next year, we're hoping that we'll be able to start applying for more grants. But this year, we're really depending on the community support. Um, so we'll always take financial donations of any size. We're actually running an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign right now 
which if you go to urbanstead.org, there's a link to it right on the front page. Uh, There's a lot of really cool perk rewards that we have, Um, T-shirts, seed bombs. um, One of the ones that I'm really excited about is we actually set up a reward for a high-level donation where somebody can actually donate a raised bed. So you would actually pay in and you could either get the raised bed for yourself if you were local or you could donate that raised bed to a youth group that comes into our program um, so that they have their own raised bed that's filled with vegetables. And, and so do you, do you have a farm stand or anything like that where, um, where folks can maybe help support by buying um, the fresh vegetables? Absolutely. We do every single Friday um, in the Fairmount, uh, Fairmount, neighborhood, Fairmount, Village, Fairmount neighborhood of Philadelphia. It's at 19th and Fairmount, and we run a farm stand from 3 to 7. Our youth actually run the farm stand, which is cool because it creates uh, a job experience for them. And, and so if, if somebody um, wanted to maybe go to the farm stand, is there information on the website as to where to find it, if they're maybe new to the area or just passing through the area? There will be as soon as we are done this interview, and I update the website with that information. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what about social media and things like that? Um, are, are you guys on Facebook or Google Plus and all those social media thingies? We are very active on Facebook, and that's probably the best way to keep in touch with us is to find our Facebook page, which is Urbanstead, um, or we're also on Twitter. And I'm, I'm learning Twitter more, and I have a couple other people that are helping with the social media. So Facebook and Twitter are our two primes. We also have a Pinterest account that we use. Um, not as often, though. I would say Facebook and Twitter are the best ways to keep in touch and see what we're up to. And we post photos regularly and links to other things that are going on around Philly. Um, We're really about community, so we really are trying to work with all the other groups in the city. Um, I really think that the only way that this whole thing, this whole urban agriculture thing, is going to be successful, and I'm not just talking youth, I'm talking everything is for us to support each other. So we're constantly working um, within the urban agriculture community in Philly. And and so both the Facebook and the Twitter are Urbanstead, is that right? Oh, great. Um, so I, I guess if your, um, your website, um, are there ways maybe um, to contact you on there, um, or is it better to contact you through Facebook? Um, you can always email me. So I am lisa at urbanstead.org. That is my email address, and I respond as quickly as I can if I do not have my hands buried in the soil or surrounding a bunch of 12-year-olds. so we've got maybe um about two minutes left two or three minutes of the show left lisa what about down the road um what are you planning maybe between now and maybe summer of 216 that uh, people should note about that maybe they can help with our plans are so right now we're focused on the francisville urban farm and getting that up and running um my greatest hope for that is that a young person will find a career in operating that space and take over and start actually running their own business through that, um, at which point we can step back and start doing this somewhere else. And so that what we're doing is creating, uh, the biggest goal is to create jobs for our young people and to create career opportunities. With the price of college these days, a lot of our teens are not going to college. And so, so, our yeah. generation college was really important and I think it's still important 
but we have to factor in that a lot of these kids are not going to go to college. So how do we find jobs that are going to support them that aren't McDonald's? <laughs> you know, and I think urban agriculture is the answer. And I think there's a lot of job opportunities and a lot of entrepreneurship. And that's what we want to do. We want to create that. And so my long-term goal is that we'll have multiple farms that we build and create leaders from our young people to take over. Do, do you have any of your local community college that, that actually have urban agriculture um, programs yet? Oh, yeah. We have Penn State Extension here, which is fantastic. Um, they actually, yeah, there's, there's a um, Master Gardeners program. Um, I believe most of the colleges have some sort of agriculture program, but I know Penn State is the big one. They, they actually do the Master Gardeners program. Because it, it would yeah, try to sign up for this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a wonderful transition from finding the garden and getting interested in the gardening and, and growing your own food uh, to be able to go into college um, and learn a little more about it. And then, because once you've got a college education, so much more can happen. Um, and a lot of these kids probably five years ago wouldn't have even thought about going to college. Right. You know, and finding alternative ways. And college is. College is wonderful, but it is, when I was in college, it's, it's about half, it was about half of what it costs now. And so we have to find affordable education that's going to give them the background that they need. And I think what we're doing with Urban Stead is a start for that and finding programs that these kids can afford and go into um, and create awesome futures for themselves. Oh yes, I mean it sounds like it's such a, a great organization that uh, that you're, you're setting up, um, and and it's so important for for the kids to and and the parents and the community itself to work as a community on these gardens. It so. is. It really, really is. And you know, we've only been in operation in true operation since the beginning of this year. We've been developing for about a year and a half. But the beginning of this year is when we really started. Um, how far it has come in just a few short months is amazing. And I'm, you know, I step back and wonder at least, you know, a couple times a day just being amazed at, at what we're doing. But also the other side of that is that there's a need for it. And that's why it's doing well, because we need programs like this. We need to engage our young people in urban agriculture and healthy eating and healthy decisions and safe spaces. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so, 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 certainly a, a lot of work that you and a lot of ground that you've covered um, in in just a couple of years, um, and obviously there, I think there's a need in so many urban urban towns. But uh, but you know that's it for this week, Lisa, because um, we're right at the end of the show. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to America's Homegrown Veggie Show this morning. Thank you, Lisa. You've been a great guest this morning, and good luck with Urbanstead programming. Uh, keep us informed with what you're doing. Um, everyone, we'll be back next week with another show talking all about growing veggies. Have a good gardening week, everyone, and join me back here next Saturday. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.